You're listening to the Hometown Crowd Podcast, part of the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. On this week's episode of Hometown Crowd, Josh Gordon's reinstatement, the AFC and NFC South previews, surprising guidance from the NFL Players Association, a UFC title card preview, and devastating news for the Lakers. Locally, we recap an NC Sports Twitter discussion, the marksmen make moves, and the woodpeckers get hot at the right time. Get on your feet, you're cheering with the Hometown Crowd. Welcome to episode three of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country and in our backyard of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. I'm Mac. Before we get started tonight, a special announcement. On next week's episode, we will have our first special guest in for an interview. Uh, Fayetteville roller derby skater Graceful Dread and coach Duke of Pain tentatively will be joining us for a peek at what goes on into being part of the roller derby culture. And we'll talk about the bout that happens tomorrow night on August 17th in Wilmington. You might remember that Graceful Dread was the MVP jammer uh, for the Lions in the mashup of Fire and Ice on August 3rd. We covered that quite a bit last week. You'll recognize her name. Yeah, so if you have any questions for our uh, roller derby friends, go ahead and hit us up at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com or on our social media at hometowncrowd, which is on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Big news of the day. Uh, Josh Gordon gets reinstated after being suspended indefinitely for multiple infractions of the substance use policy. Mac, we know we're, we're on opposite ends of the spectrum here. Yeah. Uh, he started his career promising in Cleveland, but he never really got going. Now he's in New England. Uh, what does this mean for the Patriots? I mean, this completely changes any... Uh you know, misgivings we may have about that offense. Uh, you know, it's going to change the wide receiver position from a point of needing improvement to a point of strength because those games when Gordon was playing last year, uh, especially the second game, you know, it added a, a deep element that the Patriots haven't had since Randy Moss was there. You know, so like with especially with Gronk leaving, it's going to be all hands on deck to kind of replicate his production in other ways. And nobody... Nobody uh, is able to switch their offensive identity quite like the Pats do. So this is only going to help them out immensely. And we know the type of numbers that Gordon can put up with a mediocre to poor quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that Uh, that, that 1,000-yard year you had in Cleveland was, and it was in, what, 12 games? Yeah, I think McCoy was the quarterback. I think so, yeah. I can't remember. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's been, what, 68 quarterbacks to play for the Browns since they came back in the league, so... Maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but it doesn't seem too far off the mark. So two weeks ago, you said thirteen and three for the Pats. Does that change at all? No, I, I think it's still thirteen and three. Uh, I mean, he's going to be that nice element, deep element uh, for Brady. But if anything, I think it maybe takes away some reliance on the run for the Patriots and opens up the playbook a bit. But that also depends on how Jacoby Myers, that undrafted free agent we talked about last uh, when we were going over the Patriots roster, uh, look, and uh, how quickly Edelman gets back. And Berrios, Braxton Berrios, was a slot receiver out of Miami taken last year that played none. He was on the injured reserve of, you know, all of last season. So it's, it's really going to depend on how Brady... Uh, works with his, his wide receiver cast. But, I mean, like I said, it, I think it takes away a little less reliance on the run, opens up the playbook a little bit more. And, of course, it does also uh, count on Gordon saying away from marijuana. Yeah, I mean, but that was the thing that that suspension last year, remember, he walked away first. Um, I think, I don't recall that there was a drug test failure involved with that one uh, because I think if there was, he wouldn't be getting reinstated right now. 
he's just one of those guys that uh, is going to be a lot like Josh Hamilton. You know, he's going to have to have an accountability buddy. Uh, you know, I imagine the Browns will probably pay somebody. You know, Patriots. Or, or that's what I meant. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the Patriots. Uh, you know, the Patriots will pay somebody to to be with him. I mean, the, the, the Rangers did it. You know, they Josh Hamilton was not allowed to walk with more than $10 in his pocket in cash at any one time. Mm. Uh, and they had, I think his name was Terry Lavolo, who was one of his coaches in the minors. Uh, that was his accountability buddy. So, I mean, the Patriots should do that. I mean, if that's what it takes to keep on the field, yeah. Yeah. I'll do it if you want. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what type of stats do you think Gordon puts up this week? I mean, this year? he's a 1,000-yard he's a, a break. You know, he's a guy to break out for 1,000-plus yards every year. Yeah. Like, he's that talented. And on top of that, you know, he's he's a guy that actually blocks well downfield for wide receivers. So that, that's only going to help the running game. Um, and, and if he can stay on the field, like, that, you can see 10 touchdowns. You know, I mean, it's it's not hard to believe he can't consistently put in that that breakout year in Cleveland that he had. Uh, he's that good. It's just, it's not on the field stuff you have to worry about. It's between the ears stuff with Gordon. Let's move into this week. We're going to break down the AFC and the NFC South. Uh, starting in, starting <laughs> in the AFC South, you have to start in Indy. Uh, Andrew Luck struggles to stay healthy, but when he does, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, I don't know about you. I hate this entire division. <laughs> I, I hate it. I don't like the geography. Okay, yeah. like you've got the Colts down there. All right, and it's just it's it's a junk division. How Indy's not playing with Cleveland or well, I mean, I get it. You're not going to break up Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Cincy. You're never going to break them up. You know, uh, but I mean, it just year in year out, the teams in this league in this division, outside of the Colts, when Luck is on the field, they're 500 teams. Like this is the most boring division in the NFL, especially when you look at Tennessee. I mean, I love Mike Vrabel. You love Mike Vrabel. But, I mean, it's it, that's a 7-9, 8-8 team every year, it seems like. You know? Right. Um, but, yeah, the Colts, everything revolves around Andrew Luck. Now, he's out for the preseason <laughs> with a high ankle injury. But um, Ursay came out and said, yeah, it's something with a bone. So, uh, you know, it's Ursay doing Ursay things. Right. I'm not sure right. if he's drinking again. I just feel like this is always going to be a thing with Andrew Luck. He's a more talented Carson Wentz in this in this regard. Like, Wentz is constantly injured. You know, and it seems like Luck is going that way. I mean, Luck's missed a whole season already, you know, in his career. Right. And and I, I just imagine as a GM or an owner, it's hard to plan around not knowing whether your quarterback is going to be on the field. But Ryan Griggs and the GM has done a really good job of changing that roster over. Uh, I mean, Andrew Luck was kept upright for the most part last season. They had a really strong running game. I really like Marlon Mack. Uh, they're, they're running back. Uh, you know, he only played 12 games, had over 900 yards. You know, they struck gold signing Eric Ebron because who really saw that Detroit? Nobody. Like, he he was a first, like, he's a, I think, I want to say a top 15 pick and did nothing in Detroit. And then he spends one season catching passes from uh, Andrew Luck and he catches 14 touchdown passes in one year. So, I mean, it's, he's he's got some weapons around them, around him and an offensive line that's actually keeping him upright. So, I mean, that's always, that's always a big plus. Right. You know? Um, so where do the Colts end up? I mean, I don't know that defense, like they were, they were good. The defense was good. Not great, but good. And compared to the way it was, you know, Luck's first few years, that's a huge improvement. Um, and then they brought in Justin Houston from Kansas City, who maybe isn't the pass rushing guy who was... Five years ago, four years ago, but it's still, you know, you make him a situational pass rusher, kind of like what Arizona is going to do with Terrell Suggs. That division is there for the Colts to just kind of own, and I don't see them losing one division game. Like, I just think they're that much better than every other team in the South, and I see him going 11-5. Assuming that Luck stays upright. Yeah, if he stays upright. Now, if he's not there, man, like you and I both know, 
that is not a good enough team. I mean, was it great to watch Jacoby Brissett win a couple games, uh, you know, a couple years ago with the Pats? Yeah, but people don't realize he went 7 of 21 in one game and ran for over 100 yards on like a Thursday night. You know, like it's 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 not he's not going to be somebody you can lean on, you know, when your QB goes down. So, I mean, they need need luck to be healthy and ready to start the season. On the flip side of that, you've got one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Uh, Houston, they've got dynamic defensive tandem in Watt and Clowney, but Clowney's being talked about trade. Yeah. But Watson last year was sacked, I think, 62 times in the single season. So that's just an offensive line that is leaking. Yeah. And then when you look look at who they drafted, two projects. Uh, I just put it this way. We're not physical specimens the way... Titus Howard and Max Sharping are. That's why we're talking about sports. And not playing. And not them. playing, right. <laughs> but these guys, that's exactly what they are. They're projects. I don't think you could read one draft breakdown where the Texans got higher than a C. I don't know what that front office is doing. I, I don't know how Bill O'Brien has managed to kind of keep his coaching uh, reputation intact. I mean, we look at what he did at Penn State after all the Joe Paterno shenanigans, winning eight games. And then he parlays that into the Texans job. And I'm like, dude, you haven't really done anything. <laughs> and then you look at what he's done with, with Clowney and Watt and, and uh, even Hopkins. You know, he's wasted some years of their prime by putting out like TJ Yates and uh, Sage Rosenfels. And I, th- I don't know if you can remember any of those stiffs that the Texans threw out there at QB. But I mean, you know, Deshaun Watson is like one of those really special ball players. You do whatever you can to have him stay on the field. Right. You know, that's that should have been a bigger investment. Preferably vertical. Yeah, yeah, keep uh, it definitely. Um, but I mean, I really like the Duke Johnson pickup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'll, he'll work really well with Lamar Miller. They're, they they kind of have a, sk- a similar skill set, so they won't have to change the offense much. It's just whether Duke Johnson picks up the playbook, uh, you know, quickly enough. J.J. Watt's going to be J.J. Watt. I think, you know, we've seen when he's healthy, there really isn't too many offensive linemen that could stop him. But, like, Clowney, maybe he's not, like, that pass-rushing guy that everybody thought he was going to be. You know, right. we, we all remember right. the hit on the Michigan running back. Right. I, you know? I, I still dream about that one pleasantly. Oh, yes. Uh. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but he accounts for it in different ways. Like, he draws a lot of double teams. They can they can have him play with his hand down at defensive end, or he's playing up uh, in a two-point stance as an outside linebacker. You know, but he draws double teams. He makes a lot of stops in the backfield. A lot of stops. You know, he's a much better run player than he was given credit for coming into the league. And after initially kind of being labeled a bust his first year, I'm not saying he's Khalil Mack, but Khalil Mack's kind of set the the market on this is what a top tier defensive end slash outside linebacker gets. Right. Clowney, maybe not top five, but he's in that tier underneath. Okay. So let's, I mean, the, the Texans have to make a decision. If this holdout goes into the season, they have to move him. You know, you, you, this isn't a guy that you want to completely have the same situation going the next season with because he's going to still fall into the same roles because if he doesn't play this year, he doesn't get service time. So that doesn't count for contracts, free agency, stuff like that. So over under three to one offensive sacks allowed to defensive sacks. Oh man. I mean, I just, it's going to be more or less than three to one. I just, I just think that Watson's going to take a beating. Um, I, I don't like, I don't like that offensive line still. I don't think they've done enough. And when you get down to it, having this this clowny business over the like it casts a pall over the whole team it's just kind of like what gordon's doing with the chargers right you know these guys sit down for interviews it's the first question everybody asks you think he gets shipped yeah uh i mostly there's only three or four teams you can go to um that, that? I, the seahawks were one the colts were another mm. 
But it's not likely they're going to trade within the division. I don't think so. But you ha- you have to look at the teams that can absorb that kind of salary, right? Because he's going to make sixteen million dollars a year. His his franchise tender is like fifteen point nine million. Who's the other two? I want to see the Raiders. They have a ton of cap space. Um, and I can't remember the other one. But I just none of them seem like really likely trade partners mm. because what do the Texans need? They need offensive line help. How are you going to get? I, I guess uh, an equal trade out of that. Yeah. You know, um, so I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the Texans do, but their front office is garbage and I can't stand Bill O'Brien. So I hope you all lose. So <laughs> record, a, a totally uh, pedestrian Bill O'Brien record in eight and eight. I just, he's at, he's an average coach. I mean, as much as I love Bill Belichick and you know that his coaching tree kind of sucks. Mm. I mean, he's got guys a ton of jobs and they've all sucked at them. Yeah. Romeo Cornell wasn't any good. Um, God. Charlie Weiss, do we really need to go over his collegiate coaching record? Uh, Eric Mangini, there you go. Yeah, Bill O'Brien. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping more for Brian Flores, even though he's the Dolphins head coach. I love that guy. He started out as a video intern with the Patriots, and now he's the head coach mm. of his own NFL franchise. Like that, That's just a great story. I want good things for him. Uh, but if he like shits the bed... Come on back. I'm sure Bill will take you right back, you know? Down in Florida, Jags pick up Big Dick Nick. Oh, God. Uh, from Philly, but does that make them any better than last year's 5-11 and 11 team? I mean, I don't, I don't know. You you remember, I mean, I, Blake Bortles is awful. Like that, He was. That guy caught lightning in a bottle like four times. Parlayed it into like a $100 million contract. Um I mean, this this should tell you everything you know about Tom Coughlin and his mental state. And did well enough to get repeated out of the good place repeatedly. Yeah, yeah I, I, just, <laughs> I just don't, you know, I, he he he's, he's a dumpster fire of right. a quarterback. Uh, it, it looks like he's, he hasn't progressed any since his rookie year. Um, but Nick Foles, like, he captures this, he gets on this run for six games. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't stop the guy. And he is a gamer. But if you look at... The two stops away from Philly he's had where he was a starter, he I think he only started four games with the Rams and only three with the Chiefs. You know, like he's got a lot to prove with this. Right. Um, and that Jaguars offense isn't as talented as that Philly offense was. So you got two lightning in a bottle quarterbacks, yeah. basically. Yeah. And you hope that they could catch off each other. Yeah, and when you when you look at what the Jags got, Leonard Fournette. I mean, Coughlin fined him and was talking about trading him at the end of the season because they he saw him giggling on the sideline. Like, and Fournette hasn't played a whole season. Mm. Um, you know, Fournette mm. averaged less than four yards a carry last year. And remember, coming out of college, this is supposed to be the next big freight train running back, right? And he hasn't really done it. Um, and then when you look at some of the like the other positions, uh, like tight end, wide receiver, like the Jacks don't have a lot going for him right now. Uh, and I, I've, I I worry about Nick Foles. Like, who's he going to be throwing the ball to? Um, we know he'll be handing off to Fournette at least some. Assuming uh, Fournette's healthy. Yeah. Or if he's still there, if he doesn't piss Tom Conf, you know, coughing off again. So, I mean, I don't think that Jacksonville offense is going to be any good. Um, the defense, though, yeah. Uh, the talent's there for that to definitely be one of the best defenses in the NFL. Like, two years ago they showed that. You know? Um, and it just... They kind of went into last offseason, uh, or right before last uh, season, thinking, yeah, we were this great defense. You know, we were one game away from the Super Bowl. All we had to do was stop Brady on a drive. 
Uh, and then they did absolutely nothing on the defensive side of the ball last year. Like, Jacksonville just overall as a franchise looks like crap. You know, so, I mean, I like Jalen Ramsey. You know, I, I just think that there's a lot of talent on that defensive side of the ball. They just need to kind of get on the same page, man. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the revolving cast characters that have been head coaches down there since mm-hmm. Jack Del Rio was fired, uh, you know. But, uh, I mean, it, it just depends. You know, I just uh, I, I just don't see it doing much next year. The Jacks doing much next year. Are they better than last year? No. Same. Yeah, I, okay. I mean, they're, they're, I see five, you know, five and eleven coming out of them. Repeat five and eleven. Yep. And finally, in the AFC South, we got Tennessee, the most boring team in the <laughs> NFL. Uh, Mariota's at the end of his rookie contract with the Titans. He's highly touted coming out of college, but he's one of those quarterbacks who just struggles to stay healthy. It seems to be a recurring theme in yep. this division. Is this his breakout year? I mean. The Titans, that front office, has surrounded him with people. Mm. All right. They have really done a good job of giving him some weapons. Um, when you look at uh, Derrick Henry, really turned on last nine games last year. You just couldn't stop that guy. Um, you know, they, they've drafted, uh, you know, some pretty good receivers. They picked up, uh, I can't remember, I, the receiver from Tampa that signed with uh, – Tennessee over New England. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. They're trying to give him enough players to to finally give him some weapons. Because his first few years, I mean, he didn't have a lot, you know? Like, you had, well, I mean, what is it, three years ago, the exotic smash-mouth football, you know? And it's just like, dude, you've got a really physically athletic uh, quarterback who's pretty accurate. Why are you just going to try and run the ball 40-something times a game? You know, but that... That was just another uh, in a long line of uninspired Tennessee Titans head coaching hires. But, I mean, Mariota's never thrown for 3,500 yards, and his career-hiring tees is 26. Humphreys. Okay, Humphreys. Thank you. Um, but, like, he's he hasn't put up, like, big numbers, you know? And especially going into the final year of that rookie contract where you're expecting the big, you know, the big extension... Bro, you don't have the numbers. Right. So unless this guy is hucking, chucking football the way, like, Pat Mahomes did last year, you know, and and just dicing folks up. He's not going to get it. Like, I think I think Tennessee would be really remiss to, as an organization and to the fans, to lean in on him when he's shown when he has shown he can't do it. Like he's he's just maybe isn't that guy, you know. But in my defense, uh, and Madden, after Brady retired, I picked up Mariota and turned him into a stud. So. <laughs> but. If only video games were real. Exactly, exactly. But I mean, it, it's this. Then the Browns were in the Super Bowl every year. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, I'm finishing up seven and nine, like typical Titans record. You know, third in the South. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's. I I don't think you could really trust Mariota to to carry that team. Mm. So who are they eyeballing next year? I mean, I next year's going to be a really crappy draft for quarterbacks. Um, Outside of Tua, yeah, I mean you're you're gonna have Tua and then uh, Herb, Herbert Herbert from Oregon, mm. and then and then who? Yeah, I mean Hurts out of Oklahoma, depending on how he plays. Um, but I mean, there's not a lot out there right now that's really popped off the. You know, we haven't watched him play yet, right. so I think a lot of that'll be set in stone once we once we get through the season. You know, we'll have that surprise quarterback guy from Directional State University who threw for a bajillion yards and a spread, um, and he's six 
four and he weighs 220 pounds and you know the nfl will be enamored with him um and then he turns out to be just like whoa you suck you know right. i mean that, that we always get one every year so right. i mean it I mean, Tua, he's going to be the plum, and I, he'll end up in Miami. I mean, Miami's going to be a really bad team this year. So, um, But, I mean, after that, I mean, I don't know what the Titans are going to do. Because uh, there's really not a lot of free agent stuff out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? Maybe Gruden is just like, hey, Carr, you're not my guy. Maybe they swing a trade, you know, or something like that. Well, I mean, Gruden's shown he's willing to get rid of name players. So, I mean, I don't know. But I just don't think Mariota's that guy you can lean on. Uh, you know, to carry your team. Moving over to the NFC South, we'll we'll travel from one music capital to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Orleans was a play away from the Super yeah. Bowl last year. Got rules changed because of them. You could pretty much call it the New Orleans rule. We talked about that on week uh, episode one. Yep. You gotta imagine that Breeze and company are playing with a chip on their shoulder this year. Oh, definitely. I mean, the Breeze is going to be Drew Breeze, but I mean, I think. He's kind of, like, Father Time kind of caught up to him at the end of last season. Like, he struggled down the stretch. Uh, but the great thing is he's got guys around him. Uh, Michael Thomas, I mean, Buckeye, we love him. Right. Um, maybe, maybe is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Like, the guy catches anything you throw at him. He's not the fastest guy in the field, but he gets yards after the catch and he catches touchdowns. I mean, you, you really can't ask much more for that, you know? No. Um, and then you got Alvin Kamara. I love that dude. Um, he really adds a whole other element coming out of the backfield. And he's one of those running backs that could split out wide as well. Um, and I just, he's a weirdo. I mean, that's why I really like him. Um, but he worked very well in tandem with Mark Ingram, who left and went to Baltimore. But they signed Latavius Murray, who I think, I think he's going to be a good uh, complimentary back to Kamara. You know, Kamara's probably going to have to carry a little more of the load. Um, but Murray showed in fits and starts, you know, with the Raiders and the Vikings, uh, that when given the opportunity, he he can be a good running back. He ran for over a thousand yards just a couple years ago, so he could he could definitely do it. Um, and then their defense, uh, you know, they picked up Malcolm Brown and uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson from Florida in the fourth round, but they only had like five picks this year in the draft because of the the Marcus Davenport trade. So he really needs Davenport really needs to show he was worth that ridiculously high investment to trade up in the draft, uh, you know, last year to get him. Um, and if he can be that guy that gets 10 sacks, that's going to help out that defense a lot. How far does that chip take him? I, th- I think 11 and five. Um, the Saints are a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after those years, it's, you know, they win the Super Bowl, then they go seven to nine, seven to nine, seven to nine for what seemed forever. You know, they, they, they figured out that, yeah, we need to play defense as well. We just can't throw you know, and run all the time. Breeze is good. He just can't yeah. take him all the yeah. way all the time. Exactly. Um, you know, so once they got that defensive part of the game kind of sorted out, I mean, this has been a really good team. Yeah. You know, able to like punch with anybody. So, I mean, I don't think you count them out, you know, in the NFC. A uh, little closer to home here in North Carolina. The Panthers can't seem to, Panthers fans can't seem to get enough of Cam and Keekly. Yes. Uh, can they hang with the Saints this year? <laughs> that again, we're talking QBs and staying upright, <laughs> staying healthy. Um, but the best, the best move the Panthers made this year in the draft was picking up Will Greer. Uh, he's a good young quarterback. Uh, he's athletic. He's not as big, not as athletic as Cam. But you don't have to change a playbook for him. Like he can get out and move and do the read option the way Cam does. He may not be able to do it as well, but 
You know, he, he can he can pull off that offense. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was really smart, especially going into, you know, a draft in an offseason where, uh, you know, you have Cam Newton coming off a of shoulder surgery. So, I mean, that that's a big deal. Um, well, that's sh- shoulder surgery is behind him. Yes. Yeah, you know, he, he's gotten through that. Uh, they, they said his physical therapy is good. He's good. You know, he's going to be able to play, you know, a, probably a couple series in, in the third preseason game. Um, but, I mean, their offense is really good, too. Um, and who really saw that coming from a Norv Turner offense, man? Like, you and I both remember him as, like, the – Seven to nine head coach of the Redskins, yep. who you know Jeff George is his quarterback, and uh, you know a lot of other guys that threw for four thousand yards a year. But it, he was just an average guy. But you look at what he's done since he's gotten to Carolina. Uh, you know he's got this really mobile, athletic quarterback who's got a cannon for an arm, and he's got a Christian McCaffrey who, <laughs> like, you can put him anywhere on the field. You know. Um, I think Chris Samuels is going to get a little more involved, especially with Funches signing in Indy. Um, and they still got Greg Olson. And then you got DJ Moore, who kind of came on at the end of last season. So that offense is going to be really dynamic, I think. You know, there's going to, there's going to be a lot of home run potential there, uh, especially with McCaffrey, who I don't know if you saw, looks like a 5'10 Incredible Hulk. <laughs> um, he's, he's a giant of a man, you know. Uh, so, I mean, that, that offense can be really good. And then mm-hmm. when you look at the defense, they, you know, they signed Joe McCoy. They got Keekley. Yep. Uh, you know, defense is kind of their thing. Um, you know, and then Ron Rivera, like, he's pretty maligned, I, I think. You know, you and I have lived down here long enough. Mm-hmm. Panthers fans either love or hate this guy. They do. They do. Uh, you know, and they gave him the riverboat Ron, you know, nickname. <laughs> but, I mean, the guy... Has shown, you know, he he's going to be flexible. He's going to adapt. He's going to he's going to do what he can, you know. So I mean, I think that's a good thing to have a guy like that. Um, but I mean, if, if if there's any team in this division that could catch the Saints, I think it'll be the Panthers um, because they are going to have a dynamic offense, and I think their defense is probably just a little bit better than the Saints. So where do they go? I have ten and six uh, wild card. Yeah, you know, that's if Cam's healthy. If you have to slide Will Greer in there or sign a, a veteran QB, it's going to be a lot harder to pull that off, you know. Atlanta is one of the most dynamic wide receiver combos. Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, who could have ended up in Cleveland, uh, <laughs> but they traded that pick to the Falcons. Yes. Uh, but they're sorely lacking on defense. Yeah, I mean, their their defense is... is you know, I mean, that's the only way I can really describe it. Like, yeah, last year they were decimated by injuries. They really were. Like, it seemed like, uh, you know, the the Falcons had a bajillion guys on uh, IR. Um, so they, they had a lot of roster shuffling. But, I mean, Austin Hooper, Devontae Freeman, that's another good running back combo. Um, you know, you have Ridley. You've got Jones. Like, this, this is going to be a really good offensive team. I just, I don't think their defense is good enough to even keep up um, with the Bucks, you know, so I mean, this is I see this as a 500 team, eight and eight, eight and eight, yeah. And once again, we're going to end the division with a quarterback who is at the end of his rookie contract, yeah. has underperformed despite having a lot of hype coming out of Florida State. Jameis Winston's leading this team and has yet to produce. You don't like this team? No, Why? no. I I love the Bruce Arians hire. I love Bruce Arians. He's just got this uh, kind of think outside the box mentality. He's going to do what it takes to put the 
players he have he has in the best position to do their jobs well. Um, but I mean, Jameis Winston is was high risk, high reward uh, when he was at Florida State, you know. Um, and the thing is, is he had a lot of talent behind him at Florida State. There were a lot of players at Florida State that helped him. Um, he doesn't have that in Tampa. You have Mike Evans, who top ten receiver in the NFL. Guy's huge. I really like him. Um, you know, Chris Godwin is he could shape up to be a good wide receiver too. Um, but I mean, Ronald Jones at running back, mm, no, uh, he, he's, you know, he came in with a little bit of hype, you know, running backs are, they're not always taking the first, usually not taking the first round anymore. You get a good value in the later rounds, you know, yeah. but he hasn't done anything. Like there's nobody in the backfield to take the pressure off Winston. So what's Winston going to do? He's going to throw it a lot, you know, and he's going to throw a lot of picks. Um, and that offensive line is serviceable might be the word, but. Uh, you know, I don't really, I wouldn't expect him to, you know, that line to keep him upright, you know? And then when you look at, uh, OJ Howard, the tight end from Alabama, um, you know, gets drafted by the Bucks. He fit in well with the prior, uh, coaching staff's offensive philosophy. Bruce Arians doesn't use tight ends. So, I mean, Arians probably will put him on the field you know, to get great production out of him. O.J. Howard's just a big dude. Like, you remember uh, college football playoff, that dude ripped off, what, like two 60-yard touchdown passes, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he, he can catch. He's got some speed. Uh, you know, he's more of that new model tight end. You right. know, a, wi- a wide receiver who weighs 30 extra pounds. Um, but, uh, you know, when you look at the other side of the ball, that defense, like Jason Pierre-Paul's got a neck injury. He might not play. I, I just, I don't think it's... Like, it, it, it's not one of those, like, just a poorly constructed team right now. Like, Bruce Arians has his work cut out for him. Um, and I, I'm seriously, I'd like to ask him, was it worth coming out of retirement to deal with a rebuild like this? Um, because I, I see him maybe winning five games. Uh, real quick, we got a lot to talk about tonight, but two more topics to hit in the NFL real quick. Big news this week, Dak Prescott uh, offered 30, turned it down once 40. What do you do if you're Jones? Well, I mean, the thing is, is Prescott's managed to stay upright and is better statistically than Carson Wentz. But has he performed well enough to deserve top I'm going to tell you right now, payment. Wentz hasn't performed well enough to get top payment. He can't stay on the field. I mean, what do you think? I, I To me, Dak's not worth it. Right now, Dak's, Dak's performed middle of the road. To this point, I think he's got a lot of potential. He could be highest paid quarterback eventually, but right well, now, do you, do you think Wentz is worth the deal he got? Wentz has done more than Wentz hasn't done anything. Nick Foles did it. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that—that's what kills me when people bring up that kind of comparison. Statistically, Dak's done more. Dak has stayed on the field more. Wentz. I mean, he the, the, he's got a Super Bowl ring, but when you get down to it, Nick Foles won that. Yeah, you know. So You're I right. I look at that. I I don't understand why the forty mil. Like, bro, I hate to tell you, Breeze and Brady don't make forty. Right, and they've won. I mean, and then Brady's considered one of the greatest. Yeah, got all those Super Bowls. Breeze is going to have all the records. Yep. I mean, how how does that justify? Asking for 40. The market. The market is what's dictating all this. You, player player salaries at two important positions. Um, quarterback, defenseman. 
mm-hmm. or slash outside linebacker. You know that 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 pass rusher. Right. Their their salaries have went up more than any other position in the last five years. You know, and that's with the 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 change in the game to a more uh, wide open offensive uh, game. So, I mean, the market says that Dak should make forty million. Is is Jones going to give it to him? Absolutely not. Uh, I. I think Jones will let him sit if it comes down to it. Uh, he did it with Emmett Smith. Yeah. You know, uh, and then they negotiated a deal three games into the season when Dallas was like one and two. You know, so, I mean, it. you you have to pay your quarterback. You have to. If this is a guy yeah. that you can see can win 10, 11, 12 games every year, get you in the playoffs. And when you get down, when you're d- down to it right now, the way the NFL is, I mean, I hate to say it, there's only five teams every year that are equipped to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other 27, they got a shot. Okay. <laughs> but they are not, they're, they're not those guys. Yeah. See, maybe it's the Crossing Browns my year. fingers yes, for the Browns the in the Browns next year this year. two years. Um, but <laughs> at least compete for it. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but you know, like owners are happy to win 10, 11, 12 games a year and get to the playoffs. Do they want to win a Super Bowl? Absolutely. But if you're in the discussion, for one of the better teams at the end of the year, you're going to take it. Because you could be Cincinnati, you can be Arizona, you can be Tampa Bay, uh, the Jets, the Giants. You know, you could be laughing stocks of the league. So, I mean, eventually, I think Dak and Jerry figured out, and, and he's going to get paid. But, I mean, $40 million, I I would just sat there and looked at my phone when that Bleacher Report thing popped up, and I was just like, no way. No way. <laughs> and real quick, final topic in football. NFL Players Association passed out some guidance this week. Walk us through that. Yeah. Um, right now, they are trying to renegotiate the collective bargaining agreement mm-hmm. to keep the NFL season running after this year. Right. Uh, but the Players Association passed out packets, essentially telling players, save your money. Uh, if Demory Smith, who's the head of the Players Association, the, like the negotiator guy, mm-hmm. um, the advocate for the players... Uh, you know, if he's telling players expect a work stoppage, there's probably going to be a work stoppage. Right. So, um, so we're going to see a shortened or no season next year. Yeah. I mean, well, they'll, it, it won't kick off until the new league year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they'll get through the draft mm-hmm. and then the new league year kicks off. Um, and that's when you'll see a work stoppage happen. And a lot of it centers around guaranteed money. You know, the NFL doesn't have guaranteed contracts. You can be cut and then you stop getting paid. Yeah. Um, we've talked about that a yes, lot, a lot of head injury, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, safety issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other big thing is, is service time to draw a pension because NFL players get a pension. It's not a lot, but it's something. Okay. Right. Because not every player is Dak Prescott. Who's going to make close to $40 million a year. Okay. Not, not everybody's Carson Wentz. Not everybody's Tom Brady. You know, not, you right. have a lot of guys who are on the 53 man roster that aren't making, you know, $18 million a year. Um, but you have to accrue three years service time mm-hmm. to draw a pension. Right. The average NFL career right now is 2.3 years. And looking to get shorter given the the, the suggestion of the 18-game yes. season. Yes. So, I mean, it's there, there's a, a lot to be discussed. Um, and the thing is, is, you know, we had a lockout in 05 where they negotiated a new collective bargaining agreement. And, you know, I mean... It, this is a contentious thing. Uh, you know, a lot of fans complain about players having a union, but if they don't, what are the owners going to do? You know, there has to be uh, an advocate there to look out for the people that are on the field doing the work. Um, so, I mean, I'm I'm going to be... I hope we don't lose any games. I really don't. But um, 
if we have to, then so be it. I just think it's, it's about time we start looking more towards the, the player safety aspect. Like these guys, look at Earl Campbell, the guys on a walker, you know, he's barely getting around because of the way he, you know, the NFL during the 70s didn't care, you know? <laughs> right. Before we jump into this, Stipe? Yes, Stipe. Uh, pivoting from football, you know, I don't know much about fighting, but I do know the name Stipe Miocic. Time to learn about fighting, Tim. <laughs> Fight, fighting get, fighting sports just have never been my thing, but a lot of people back in Cleveland point to him as the sports in the uh, the city turning around. Yeah, I mean, 2016, we had the Cavs, we had Stipe, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it was, and we had the Lake Erie Monsters, so, right? I mean, that was, that, Cleveland was title town for eight months. Yeah, yeah. and he, he had it for two years. Yeah. He had it 2016, 2017, he lost it last year, tomorrow night he gets a rematch with Cormier, break it down. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Cormier is easily uh, probably one of the top fighters to ever step in a cage. Um, do I want Stipe to win? Yes. He's a hometown guy. And I just, I like how he fights. He's very aggressive. Um, Euclid's not far from where I yeah, grew up. So. You know, he, Steve is just, he's an aggressive fighter. He'll wear you down. But DC is just this, other than John Jones, uh, who he just can't figure out. DC just can out-wrestle you. Uh, I mean, he knocks Steve out in the first fight. You know, there, he's still got some pop. Um, you know, I mean, I want Steve to win, but I don't think he would bet against DC. Uh, you know, Cormier's just a that kind of a fighter. And then we got Nate Diaz, who during open workouts yesterday lit up a joint. Dana White hates him. And uh, we haven't seen him since he lost the second fight to Conor McGregor. That sounds problematic. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> Talk to a lot of fight fans and see what they bitch about more. Steroids or pot. And right. you're going to get it split 50-50. Because a lot of fight fans think, just let them juice out of their mind and beat the piss out of each other. Because that's what they're there for. That's yeah. what they're getting paid for. But the thing is, Nate Diaz, he's a lot more nuanced of a fighter. He and his brother Nick fight out of Stockton. And they always march the beat of their own drum. Um, and Nate choked Conor out the first fight right and then lost a five round decision the second um, but this first time he's fought since so he's, he hasn't been in the cage for three years because he just gets under Dana White's skin Dana White does not like dealing with either Diaz brothers um, I think their shenanigans get like tiresome but the sport's better when they're involved mm. um, and really you really can't beat Nate Diaz just lighting up a, the fattest blunt <laughs> when, during open workouts so you've got press <laughs> All everywhere, around. Everywhere. And he's just like, nah, man. You know, like, it's, it's great. Um, because he's been suspended multiple times mm. for marijuana usage. Um, but, like, this goes to show he just doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's going to be him. And Let's I really keep him appreciate away from that. Gordon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> please. Um, but he's fighting uh, Anthony Pettis. So I think that's going to be a really good fight, too. Anthony Pettis is this ridiculously athletic guy. Um, and then my, one of my favorites, uh, Yoel Romero, who's just this giant beast of a man. Mm. Uh, from Cuba is filing Paulo Costo, uh, and I think he's going to eat Costo for lunch, uh, honestly. <laughs> but I mean, it's going to be pretty good from top to bottom. Uh, you know, it's always good when you have a title fight and a Diaz fight on one card. And they're not the same fight. Yes, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the thing. The Diaz brothers, it doesn't matter what organization they fought for. They may, they typically get a shot at the belt. If they win it, they piss off the owner. They abdicate, go to the next organization. Um but when there's really no other organization to go to, you have Bellator, you have one over in Asia. I don't see either Nick or Nate traveling. Mm. Uh, I think they would like the paycheck Bellator gives to established fighters that leave the UFC. But, uh, you know, at the time, you just had Strike Force, you had UFC, 
and the Diaz brothers fought for Strike Force, and at an unfortunate event in Nashville, uh, they started a fight after Jake's feet. They started a, a melee in the cage after a Jake Shields fight. They weren't even involved. <laughs> it was on CBS, and that was the last time MMA was on regular TV. Mm. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I like the guy. I think it's going to be a good card. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I will be out watching it, so. Oh, good. Uh, finally, some sad news out of the NBA. Uh, Boogie Cousins Boogie. tears his ACL. He's likely to miss the whole season. Uh, Boogie was the third piece in the LeBron yeah. AD triangle. How much does this diminish expectations in well, LA? Well, I mean, look at AD's press conference when he got to LA. I'm not playing center. I'm playing the four. Right. And Frank Vogel was like, yeah, man, we're on board with that. You don't have that option now. Uh, AD's got to play some five. That way you can put Kuzma at the four and at least have a serviceable starting five. Mm. Um, I mean, and let's face it, Boogie showed in the playoffs he can still play. Uh, when he's healthy, like after he got back from that quad injury, you know, he was, a uh, he was putting up 12, 14 points, grabbing 10 rebounds. Like he was, he was doing work. Um, I, I, Boogie gets a bad rap and I, and I get that, you know, his time in Sacramento ended pretty acrimoniously. Um, but you didn't hear anything out of Golden State, you know, he just went in and played, you know, um, and I, I think that shows kind of a maturation, um, and I, he just, he's got a good game. Like, he, he's one of those, the, the last guys, you know, the old school centers. Right. But, you know, he pick, he works on a shot. You know, he's trying to to make sure he doesn't make himself, you know, antiquated in this really wide open three-point shooting NBA. Uh, and let's he worked hard to get back from injury when he tore his Achilles tendon to get back from the playoffs when he tore his quad. Um, I hate seeing a guy go down, you know, to lose a whole season. Yeah. Because right now he, I think it's like a one year, three and a half million dollar deal. The Lakers can essentially get one point seven million back from insurance. Mm. But what are you gonna? I mean, they they've got. I just don't see who you've got out there that you're gonna pick up for one point seven million dollars. You know, yeah. I. So I mean, this will affect. You know, this will be a negative thing for the for the Lakers. This yeah. is a net loss. How bad of a loss? I mean, I. There was a writer for Bleacher Report that said... I mean, it's it's too early to make yeah. predictions for the season. We're not there yet. But writers but. are sitting there trying to say that this lineup was formidable. Look at it. Outside of that five, it's not good. You know, there's not a lot of shooting. Uh, you know, you have older guys towards the end of their career taking those veterans' minimums deals to play with LeBron, you know. Yeah. But this isn't Kyle Korver, and this isn't Channing Fry. This isn't James Jones or Mike Miller. You know, this is Ricky Dudley. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it just, I, I don't know what a lot of these writers are, are looking at unless they're saying essentially it's going to be the AD and LeBron show the entire time. And then you might get eight points out of Rajon, you know, and they expect Kuzma to become the second coming of like Scotty Pippen. No, it, you know, that's not. And we have to assume that at some point LeBron is going to see diminishing returns. Yeah. He's starting to get up there. He's what, 30? 36. 36? Yeah, 36, 37. And he missed, what, 30-some games last year. Right. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. There, it's The law is that Father Time catches everyone eventually. and Even the most gifted specimen yeah. <laughs> in the sport, you're, you're going you're gonna to struggle. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's probably the point where you're you're looking at and I think that's why the Lakers push so hard to get Davis because he's a younger dude he can take the torch from LeBron 
uh, you know, when LeBron leaves, because I, I don't see LeBron sticking around as a, as a role player. Um, I think when he decides to hang it up, like that's it. You yeah. Know, he, he's not going to sign another shorter contract, smaller contract to go be like a, uh, you know, the Vince Carter type. Right. He's not going to do that. Right. Do you think this is his final contract? Uh, yeah, honestly, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I see a lot of Cavs fans, and you've heard it too. I mean, I... You know, he's going to come back to Cleveland part of, part of me, Part of me wants the Griffey situation. No. Is I, it likely to happen? No. But I can hope. Cleveland is all why? about hope. But why hope for that? Because, because it's a cool story. No, it's not. He spurned me twice. <laughs> he literally told me to kiss my ass twice. The first and time... we welcomed him back the first time. The first time... Mm-hmm. Just stay gone, bro. I got no ill will towards you. We all knew you were leaving. <laughs> stay in LA. I don't even want your kid here. Okay, keep that mess over on the left coast. All right, <laughs> and, and and let him play ball out there. I don't. I don't want to see another James in a Cleveland uniform. Okay. I respect his game. I love for what he did to Cleveland. I love for what he continues to do outside of the basketball court. LeBron James, the basketball player, stay away. LeBron James, the entrepreneur. Uh, you know the humanitarian. Please. General manager? No. No? No. I don't know if you've noticed players typically don't make good GMs. No, absolutely not. And LeBron already played GM on those those four, you know, (laughs) that second time back in Cleveland. And we're up to... The, the salary tax to our eyeballs for the next two years, so... I still have my uh, first run of LeBron jersey in oh, my closet. Oh, man. Back from... I probably got that in 07, 08. Yeah, I, after LeBron left, I folded up... I have, like, one of the t-shirts that are the jerseys. Not, mm-hmm. like, the official ones, but, yeah. you know, I've just folded it up, put it in my closet, and it's, it's still sitting there. And I busted it out when he came back. Yeah. But... It has it hasn't moved in my closet, son. Nope. It, I no. I, you know, I, again, I, I don't want him back. I, pre- I I appreciate LeBron. I know you're not listening, but I do appreciate you. Uh, just come back in a businessman sense, and don't try and put a Cavs uniform on again. Otherwise, I might lose my mind. All right. So uh, this past week, getting into local news, our man Tim over here had the opportunity. Uh, first, let's say a big thank you to Miss Jenny Bell of the. Uh, uh, NC Faves Twitter. Okay. Uh, she, she works at the Fayetteville Visitors Bureau. Okay. Um, but uh, this this whole NC Faves uh, Twitter expose was about sports. NC yeah. Sports. So Tim was uh, our hometown crowd rep for that and got to be involved. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We uh, we spent some time just talking about North Carolina sports from from the, the, the high school level all the way to the pros. So we, we were talking about the Hornets and the Panthers, but we were also talking about you know Terry Sanford and the Woodpeckers and everything in between. Um, you can look up some of the responses. It was about six or seven questions that were posed. Uh, if you search for hashtag NC Faves F A V E S on Twitter, um, I love Jenny. She's one of our biggest supporters. She's the one who kind of encouraged me to explore this podcast as an option. We had more than 100 groups, teams, and fans participate in the discussion. See, that's always a good thing, is having that, you know, everybody's involved. And it's not just, like, you or I talking about, you know, going to DBAP and catching the Bulls or going down to Segre and catching the Woodpeckers. Right. I mean, it it was, we we had the Raleigh Sports Commission, we had the Durham Sports Commission, both the Fayetteville and Southern Pines Pinehurst Visitors Bureau, um... The Woodpeckers were participating in the chat, responding. The Marksman owner 
was participating. It was a lot of people of a lot of different levels, different walks of life, just who love NC sports. So it felt like a great opportunity for us to get involved and kind of get our name out there. Um, That was Wednesday. Um, They do these about every other month, uh, different topics. So the next one's not going to be NC sports. Yeah. Um, But I really encourage you guys, if you're listening uh, to look up the hashtag NC faves. Uh, the next one's going to be October 9th at one. Um, it'll be on Twitter. Topic hasn't been announced. And again, I just want to say thank you to Jenny and the Fayetteville area conventions and visitors bureau. Um, it's fun to talk about our team. That's why we do this podcast, uh, talking about our favorite foods at arenas and which, which, which uh, stadiums got the best experience and yeah. who's going to make a, a, a run for a championship this year. Um, by the way, I said woodpeckers. We'll talk about why a little later. <laughs> um, I do think the woodpeckers can make a run for it. We'll see what happens. Um, but again, thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Fayetteville Visitors Bureau. It was a lot of fun. And hopefully... You guys and Sports Channel 8 Radio, who co-hosted, really get some traction. Maybe we can participate in future ones. That would be cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always good uh, when, when you got people helping people. So thank, thank you for me, Jenny. I do appreciate it. You're helping us out and for getting Tim pumped up about starting this bad boy. So I appreciate you as well. <laughs> so we got the Marksman, okay? Uh our, our Fayetteville entry in the Southern Professional Hockey League, uh, formerly the Fire Ants. Formerly the Fire Ants. They've been around for this iteration since they were the Marksmen's only, their third season. Yeah. Uh, but Fayetteville's had an SPHL team since 02. Okay, so, I mean, we've I've only been to a couple games. Mm-hmm. And uh, I all I remember was the one goalie who, during breaks, would use have a spitter tucked into the net. <laughs> While he dipped the entire game. So, Hashtag fan. Yeah, uh, I was really impressed um, that there wasn't a big brown spot in front of the ice. He just waited till stoppages in play. So he had good uh, salivary discipline, I guess. So, um, But uh, big trade for the Marksman today. Yeah, uh, the Marksman sent Darren McCormick, Kyle Thacker, and Brendan McMartin to the Peoria Riverman. Um, Joe Kalish and Will Smith come to Fayetteville. Kalish is a goalie. He's been with us before. Um, he spent his first year and a half of his professional career in Fayetteville. Okay. Um, the last year of the Fire Ants, the fir- through the first half year of the Marksman, uh, he was one of our goalies. We traded him in January 2018, so we're excited to have him back. He can put up some quality numbers. We're getting ready for the season, so all the signings are being announced. Yeah, you're, I imagine we're probably going to see a lot of, of player movement between now and October. Oh, yeah. Uh, this week we had two big signings. Um, another goalie, Jason Pawlowski, um, an alumnus of Minnesota State University, Mankato. Uh, he uh, re-signed with the... He re-signed with the Marksman this year. Uh, and defenseman Connor Graham uh, from Western New England University. That's a real school? Yeah. Oh, my uh, gosh. Where is it? Like that's, I'm suddenly very curious <laughs> to where this thing is. Because it didn't just go state. We're like, we're going directional region. Okay? Like, right. You know. Uh, yeah, Western New England University. So we're, we're really getting excited for the new season. Um, 
We kick off the season October 18th. Our home home opener is the 19th against Knoxville. Uh, that's actually in Springfield. Huh. Uh, Western New England University. Okay. It's a private college. Oh, uh, oh okay. That's hoity yeah. toity. Uh, but we're, we're hoping to at least catch at least a few games this yes. year. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love hockey, especially low level hockey. Yeah. Uh, it looks like. Uh, uh, you know, something I would see like in a really bad B movie sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's what I appreciate it most because you've just got these guys out there. Um, the Southern Professional Hockey League is that is that affiliated hockey or is that independent? The only reason I'm asking is because some of them I imagine are trying to get into affiliated hockey, you know, AHL, uh, things like that. Um, you know, but they're just out there putting it out, doing everything they can to get called up. Um, and, you know, beer's cheap. I'm all down with that. They are essentially the A-level for the NHL. Uh, the SPHL, the AA levels, the ECHL, and then the AHL. Okay. Uh, so they are affiliated. Um, this, the uh, The roster of teams is a little bit interesting because most of them are in the SPHL are places you wouldn't expect hockey to be. Oh, they had the Macon Whoopi was a team in the SPHL for and a little bit. I think it's the Macon Bears now. Yeah. Um, but then funny, you also have funny Pe- name though. Peoria, Illinois, and uh, Quad City, Iowa. Oh. Uh, so a couple of more traditional areas. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that a lot of that comes from those, those smaller hockey leagues, like we saw when we had arena football. Um, you know, we league, still have arena football. Yeah, but we ha- we've had like four different leagues in Fayetteville yeah. that our team has been a part of. So when one team goes up, or you know, one league goes under, the team sticks around, the owner sticks around. He's like, okay, well, I'm gonna go join this league. So right. you know, I imagine that's probably why Quad City Peoria is in the Southern Professional Hockey League. Right, uh, and interestingly enough, the Fire Ants are. Interestingly enough, the the Marksman. Marksman. That's what I'm looking for. The Marksman. Uh, interestingly enough, the Marksmen are not the only Fayetteville tied to Quad City. Um, the Quad City... Quad City's got a team that plays, I think, against the Swamp Dogs. Huh. Uh, both, both, both leagues have a Quad City Iowa nice. team and an, a Fayetteville North Carolina team. Um, I was talking a little junk with a buddy of mine, Bill, because he lives in the Quad City area... And, uh, no, it's, maybe it is, it might be the Woodpeckers. No, it, it's gotta be the, the Swamp Dogs. Okay. Uh, that they play. Yeah, I was gonna say the Carolina Leagues. Yeah, it's, it's Carolina. all Carolina and Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, like, one Maryland team yeah. and one South Carolina team, and that's about it. Um, but speaking of the Marksmen, um... Well, speaking of the woodpeckers, yeah, <laughs> uh, I managed to take in a game last night. Good, uh, good. It was Always not good. No, uh, <laughs> the experience was fun. It was my wife's first game, uh, first time at Sega Stadium. I've been there five times. I've yet to see the woodpeckers win a game <laughs> uh, in person. Uh, the Swamp Dogs, I saw go five and two this year in person. The Woodpeckers are 0-5. Uh, 
when I'm in attendance. Stay away from Segura. I'm about three games away from being a remote fan. Yeah. Uh, as much as I love the team, I think they need me to not be in <laughs> attendance. Uh, because they snapped their five-game winning streak 11-1. to one. Um, Jeez, dude. Yeah. So the Woodpeckers have been really streaky. They've actually had five... Uh, five streaks of five games uh, in a row. And so they swept Winston-Salem last weekend, uh, took all three games against the Dash. Um, but the more important one is they took two or three from Down East. Uh, Down East is the best team in the Carolina League right now. Nice. Uh, the Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers uh, affiliate. Affiliate. And... So the Wood Ducks, Down East Wood Ducks, have already punched their ticket to the playoffs. So really Fayetteville is fighting for, they need at least second place. If Down East is going to win the, yeah. the, the the second half, Fayetteville at least needs to get second place okay. to make the playoffs. Um, but if they do, they're facing Down East. And taking two out of three, especially with those games being at home, is important for the Woodpeckers. So the fact that they were able to do that, first of all, it was their first two wins against Down East this year. Uh, they beat us six or seven times before we got our first win, but then we took two from them. The dudes, man. Um, they, they've been a solid team, but it's our first time playing them, I think, in the second half. Okay. And a lot of things change as you get towards the end of the year and teams are calling players up yeah. and what have you. So winning two now is very important for the Woodpeckers. Yeah. Um. Right now, the magic number for the Woodpeckers is 15. Uh, need a combination of 15 wins and Myrtle Beach losses. Yeah. Um, Myrtle Beach is currently two games behind the Woodpeckers. Um, they're in third place. Like I said, we're fighting for second. And if the playoffs start today, we got the first two games in Fayetteville. That'll be cool. Um, I, I think that would be really cool. A little playoff baseball, your right. first season in town. You know, I, I think that that would be something for people to, like, really get pumped about. Like, I, I've been pleasantly surprised, and I've told you this, about how well they've done attendance-wise. Mm-hmm. There um, were 5,000 there last night. Yeah, I mean, that, and I love With that. the threat of rain. You know, so, I mean, imagine playoff time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it seems like we, we've got something good here. And, and, and I hope that the city of Fayetteville and the people here still... Jump in with both feet next season uh, because you know how it is. Like you have the novelty of it the first year or two, and then after that, what happens when the shininess yeah. wears off? Are, the, are we going to still support it? And I can tell you, I am. I love having minor league baseball in Fayetteville. Um, this the city's been better off for it, despite you know any political arguments about parking that we face. Um, Fayetteville has just been better. And one of the things I've noticed is having the woodpeckers here has reignited my passion for local sports. Uh, if the woodpeckers don't come, this podcast probably doesn't start. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. I mean, but I, I just, I think it's, I don't know. Uh, I, I love baseball. Uh, and, you know, like I told you, the only minor league team I haven't hit in North Carolina is Asheville. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I don't like driving out there, and two, to the fact that, you know, four hours there, four hours back. You have to get a hotel yeah. at that point. Yeah, you know. Um, but I always, I like the environment, uh, you know, even in Burlington, and I told you, they play in a high school stadium. You know, you're playing professional ball, 
in a high school ballpark and all the merch comes in on a trailer they have on two wheels that a truck pulls up, puts a block down, you know, like I like the environments like that. Um, you know, and it's, it's nice that I could grab a lift and I'm down at Segra and I can catch a game, you know, so I, I really like that. And I hope, you know, uh, people in Fayetteville, you know, as we know, it's a military town. There's a high turnover rate of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope people just continue to embrace that because it is. It's a great experience. And I, th- I think the Woodpeckers are doing a good job of appealing. Even if they're not making lifelong fans, they're appealing as much to the, the population of Fort Bragg yeah. as they are to the population of Fayetteville. Yeah. Um, last night was their National Airborne Day Night, so there was a lot of military themed, um, but they they do give back to the city. Yeah. Um, every Monday home game is a a charity night, um, and they do you know various cultural nights. Uh, Wednesday, I think, was Celtic night. Yeah, I saw. <laughs> you and like four other people tagged me in, and I'm like, yeah, it's not happening. I got class. So. <laughs> uh, but you know, if they make the playoffs, maybe we go to Kinston oh, yeah. and watch a, a oh, I'd game three. I, I would love to. I mean, that that's a great thing is that like we're only a couple hours from a lot of different teams, mm-hmm. which is great. Especially the Southern Division team. Yeah. Our, our in-division opponents yeah. are... Myrtle Beach, Winston, Winston Salem, uh, the dudes, the dudes, <laughs> uh, Carolina Mudcats, which are Zebulon. Zebulon, and us. Yeah. So you know those are all easily drivable games. Yeah. That, I mean, the furthest you're going is what Myrtle, and that's Myrtle. two and a half. Yep. You know. So I mean, and that that's what's great is that if if you like as a fan, if you get really into it, you know, you. You want to travel with them over the summer because you got nothing but time. You know, kids on spring break or you got some leave. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just make the circuit. And Segra is super yeah. family friendly. Yeah, it really is. Um, that 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 playground, for lack of a better term. Oh, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah the play area. My kids yeah. loved it. Like they they spent a good two innings there the last game I was at. <laughs> um, but the key thing is Fayetteville starting to get hot at the right moment. They got seventeen games left in the season. Uh, they've got the tiebreaker with Myrtle Beach. They've got a two-game lead on Myrtle Beach. They're sitting. They are the masters of their destiny. Yeah. Especially with the schedule they've got coming up. They've got a roller coaster of a schedule. Um, seven of their games are against Down East. Um, four at home, three in Kinston. Uh, that'll give us a really good idea of how we'll do in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming that we can hit that magic number of fifteen. Um, six games against Frederick. Three home, three away. And four games all on the road in Zebulon against the Carolina Mudcats. The important thing there is the Mudcats and the Frederick Keys are the bottoms of their respective divisions. Okay. That's a chance to stack up some games yeah. and those, just hope Myrtle Beach loses a couple. Yeah, those 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 are games that you're expected to win. Right. You know. Um so hopefully, you know, we can we can rack up some wins against uh, the Mudcats, we can rack up some wins against the Keys and ride it to the playoffs and see how we, we do against Down East as we're getting hot. Um, you hear that, Woodpeckers? Don't screw this up. <laughs> you, Don't you, screw this up. You guys are in charge of... You're you're in the driver's seat right yes. now. Um, but that does bring our episode tonight for a close. Um, or, but that does bring our episode tonight to a close. 
be sure to follow us on all the social media at hometown crowd. Email us at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com. We're looking forward to doing the interview next week with the Fayetteville Roller Derby, and hopefully we'll get some questions from you guys. Uh, For Mac, I'm Tim. Thanks for cheering with the hometown crowd. Later.